The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Listeners, welcome to That's Odd. Uh, oh, Chris, it's, this is <laughs> That's Odd. I am one of your hosts. I'm Johnny Towns, and I'm joined by the magnificent interrupter. Chris Chavez. <laughs> knock, knock. Oh, knock, who's, knock. There? Who, who's there? Sorry, sorry. Chris the interrupter. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man i wish we could say we rehearsed this i know <laughs> but this is this is what happens when johnny and i just mess around we just this yeah. is why we want to do our improv show we're gonna have to do yeah. that improv show you wanted to do with like bigfoot and what's there remember that oh yeah yeah i had this idea no i don't want to say don't I, you know what people will steal it i'm not gonna say it. oh yeah don't say it don't say it yeah. we'll, we'll release that episode when it comes out as a special uh, i'm also i am going to say this though we uh we got our our numbers of downloads and thank you thank you thank you everybody Oof. you you keep making this show very awesome and the support we get is overwhelming uh, but another show on this network that we're oh. on has overtaken us yes. and i just can't take that we i need the creepers out there to spread the love and the word around about history creep so we can get back to number one yeah we held the top spot at our network for easily going on five years here uh, a little yes. bit over five years, actually, and yeah. now we've been dethroned. But it's by a good show, man. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even mad at it. What a great show that that dethroned us. Uh, Retro Pop, I would have to. Do you know who the hosts are? I know Matt Johnson for sure. Um, there's yeah. this other guy. Yeah, the other guy's yeah. a real. <laughs> he's a real piece of work. <laughs> he's something, all right. He is something. It's me, of course. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it's a great show. I really, really yeah. enjoy that show. Your last episode on Bob Ross was amazing um and the next one uh i love that i love that topic and i heard i heard i remember i told you guys i was interested in it and i heard matt say something about it so uh yeah if i'm if if, if that's still the plan that's awesome yes yes uh the next one will be about myspace just for all you who just are wondering and um that that well i don't know why that reminds me because they're not related at all but <laughs> uh chris i was you know we've we've had a lot more downtime i mean i you know, I draw pictures. That's what I mean. I draw cartoons. Yeah. So oftentimes my brain will wonder as I'm mindlessly inking things. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I don't know why I do this. I'm just very curious if you do this. I'll just start trying to see what things, like, either people or even animals that I can mimic and how good I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, and, I don't do it out of the blue, but there are moments where I'm like, I, I I try something, you know, a, an impression, and then I try to perfect yeah. it, and I keep messing with it. But yeah, yeah. So I discovered that I cannot do an elephant, and I'm very upset about this. You've tried all all different I've ways. Tried. Here, I want to try it again. All right, here we go. <clears throat> um, I'm Johnny Townsend. This this is an elephant. <laughs> See. 
Oh man, it was close. Sound like a wounded seal. It, yeah, I think that's more along the lines of what we're looking at there. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we can't use you, Johnny. Uh, better luck next time. Oh man, I'm going to just go back and practice some more. Um, we are now we're now casting for a wounded seal. Oh, Johnny Townsend, you're back. Oh yeah, put me on the top of the chart. <laughs> My That's voice funny. acting career has begun. I've never done that though. That's pretty funny. Um, oh, okay. out of the blue, well, huh? I guess I'm a weirdo. Yep, yep. Well, it's the perfect by place. myself too. <laughs> perfect place for it at the Creeper Clubhouse. We we accept all weirdos and creepers. By the way, I was by myself and I was doing these out loud. <laughs> You're entertaining so. yourself. <laughs> yes. Do you make yourself laugh when it doesn't work out right? Uh, when I realize what I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is <laughs> which is often. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, dude! That's amazing. But this, Chris, is that's odd. Yes, and that's where you and I both bring something to the table, and we talk about some odd, strange stuff. Yes, uh, as opposed to the history creeps line, which is a lot of historical, creepy, sometimes disgusting, scary, uh, you know, paranormal type things. This is more along the lines of odd things happening in history or in the world um odd instances maybe sometimes it's bizarre um now that's not to cross over with how bizarre which focuses on uh people who disappear and go missing um but this is definitely good i i i can't wait to talk about mine mine is really really kind of strange and i'm telling you dude we talked about this beforehand you know when you hear a certain part of the story in your head you're gonna be like bink that's why chris wanted to do it that's what piqued his interest yeah, very, very interesting. Um, but Chris, before we get into yours, yes, uh, let's. Oh, see, uh, you figured it out. A bit, an elephant. <laughs> yeah, that's all, oh, man. So, yeah, all I got to do to be an elephant is to do my Scooby Doo impression. That's good to know. <laughs> um, that's uh, one of my most famous, and I'm using the word famous in quotation marks here. Uh, Things uh, voices ever did was this one right here. The, <laughs> the old prospector. All, the old prospector. I used to do them all the time on uh, on some other shows I was on, uh, with other improv shows. And the reason he literally came about was because uh, this <laughs> name, right. this name, That's this right. name is very much not one that we like anymore. Understandably, very much he should have been canceled, and he wasn't, and he's in jail now. Uh, but that was started out as a Bill Cosby impression. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the old prospector tra- talking about Jello pudding pops. <laughs> uh, the gold. <laughs> now you just got to tell people that you're doing an impression of an elephant saying "uh oh." Yeah, I'm doing an impression of an elephant doing an impression of Scooby Doo. There you go. <laughs> that's, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, of course, Chris. Right now, uh, it's kind of hip. Uh, it's kind of the hip thing to be into conspiracies, right? Yes, yes. Uh, even in, it's even eking into politics and such. But you know, well, conspiracy- I, think it, I think it's been in politics for a long time. Yeah, but they're, now they're very open about it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Typically, you know, the, back in the day when people had conspiracies of like the Illuminati and politics, right. or or you know, the hidden whatever underneath, you know, the White House. Anytime people thought about that, it was always in these like kind of water cooler groupings or like uh, sitting at the lunch table at school. This wasn't something that you would typically see just plastered all over any kind of media. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And real quick, uh, I've of course we've been hounded by not only phone calls but commercials since election is right around the corner as of this recording. And uh, the ones that I find the funniest are the ones 
the one I saw recently about the presidential election, and it was like, uh, Joe. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Joe Biden is too weak of a leader. We got this going on. Like he just starts listing all these bad things that are happening, and that that Joe Biden couldn't handle. And I started laughing because I was like, well. Who's supposedly handling it now? For <laughs> 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 crying out loud, everybody get your act together, dude. You got to worry if they start listening, listing off legit conspiracies in those ads. That's when you really have to worry. When you're just like, really, yeah. dude, this is like conspiracy theory stuff. Then that, then you really, I mean, we have to worry anyway. But that's when it's yeah. like alarm yeah. bells should go off. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. All right, so I'm doing Scooby Doo conspiracies. <laughs> I love how we're like politics, conspiracies, and now Scooby Doo. Scooby. Now we're going to go to the fun side of conspiracies. <laughs> uh, this is all from uh, uh, actually quite a few places, but the main place, my main source is Mental Floss. But also, there's YouTube videos on this. Uh, Reddit has a whole like you can go down a giant Reddit rabbit hole of Scooby Doo conspiracies, and not just Scooby Doo, but other you know. Very famous animated cartoons as well. Uh, but I'm doing Scooby-Doo. I'm sticking to it. And there's a reason, Chris. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, you would I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. You? Uh, stay tuned because uh, if you haven't noticed, we do have a new show on this very same uh, uh, f- uh, feed that is uh, they would have gotten away with it. Yeah. I'm so, I, I, I'm looking forward to the next one because this is a fun one. This is a one where we cover true crimes that have been right. solved, things that we know how it went down, but we're covering them. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed, the last one we did was the BTK killer, which to me is always redundant because the K and K, it stands for killer. So it's like the BT killer killer. Uh, yeah, but yeah, BTK we covered. Well, we that. both know he wasn't the brightest. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and next one we're going into Golden State Killers. So I don't know if, right. it, if it's a theme that we're sticking with, with serial killers, but at least the first two are. And I got an idea for the next one after that. But, Ooh. Um. So if you really want to, we're also trying our idea, and obviously this can change, but our idea is that for those particular for that particular show. Uh, of course, if you subscribe to this, you'll get the audio of it always, and it'll always be free. But uh, also, if you are a part of our Facebook group, uh, we'll do those on video, too. So you'll get to see our stunningly beautiful faces. Ooh, this is where I'm going to insert sound effects of like whistling and woo, yeah. you know, when you have, oh, yeah, please do. <laughs> when something risque happened on, on the like yeah. 80s TV and that live audience yeah. reacts to it. Like I'm showing my leg. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into some Scooby-Doo, dude. All right, Scooby-Doo conspiracies. I got five beautiful, wonderful conspiracies here, and I figured that I can bring them up, and I can tell you why they think this this could be true, and I just want your opinion on each conspiracy, Chris. If you believe it, or I want you to give them each one a scale of one to ten, which ones you think are possibly true. Like the ten being the most truest thing you've ever heard. Okay. Right, and, and one obviously being a complete, complete farce. All right, here we go. Number one, <clears throat> Scooby-Doo is a Soviet space dog. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's now, why you can talk. See, you're getting into it. Yeah. So, like, that's one of the main questions in Scooby-Doo, of course. Most of these are about the original Scooby-Doo, by the way. The original, the, <laughs> the very original ones that, uh, like, in the 60s. So, uh, how, why... Does or is Scooby Doo able to talk? I mean, that's one of the big questions in the show. They never really address it. Um, so here is how this conspiracy theory came about. Because well, we want to answer that question first of all. 
Um, one of the reasons that they think is that maybe uh, actually only Shaggy thinks that Scooby can talk, but Shaggy's always high. That's what I thought. Initially, because yeah. as you're saying this in my head, I'm just really trying to pour I mean, and who remembers as much as those early ones, but wasn't it just Shaggy that really interacted with him where he can talk every, and like he would just make noises and motion for when uh, everyone else kind of talked to him, but... It's been a long time since I've seen. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen those original ones. But I feel like the only person Scooby ever said by name was Shaggy, right? Because, dude, like, yeah, exactly. I I don't remember him saying Velma. You know, uh, Fred. I don't either. But the funny thing was, is right. Like they were supposed to be beatniks. Shaggy was supposed to to be this slacker, stoner kind of guy. And it was always the thing that they were always hungry. Like no matter where they were investigating, they found the kitchen. And then it's always like this rundown house that's full of like the most fresh food. (laughs) Cause all of a sudden they're making themselves like Dagwood (laughs) sandwiches. You know what I mean? Yeah. These giant ridiculously proportioned sandwiches. (laughs) Uh, So let's go back to the 1960s when the show was out. Yeah. Uh, of course, one of the big things that was happening then in current events in the 60s was America versus the USSR or Russia and our space race. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to beat uh, the other in space. Uh, Russia wanted to beat us in space. So, of course, um, Soviets, and this is true, Soviets sent, before they would send people or cosmonauts out into space, they sent dogs out mm-hmm. into space. Poor dogs, too. Think about how scared dogs get from just... Oh, man. just fireworks can you imagine being put in a rocket and sent into the space yeah it's completely unfair poor babies Uh, but also uh what's not to say that the soviets also did experiments on said dogs right Mm -hmm. they do experiments on them because they're testing them to see how they can handle things maybe with radiations and such that explains why scooby-doo can talk and then of course scooby-doo is able to escape uh, one of the theories is that maybe uh, one of the scientists really took some pity on Scooby-Doo because he was just a really nice dog and helped him escape. And then Scooby-Doo runs and gets to America with the help of the scientist and mm. then finds Shaggy. I like it. And- I, I like this idea better. Think about this. So he's a Soviet dog, right? Yeah. Shaggy is already in Europe because he wanted to go to Amsterdam. Right. He's taking time off there. He's doing that whole travel Europe and not go to college. And somehow, well, it's not somehow it's shaggy. He gets he's too stone. He jumps on a tourist bus that ends up in the Soviet Union. He comes across. (laughs) He ends up at this lab where they think he's supposed to be this janitor and true to shaggy's nature. He, uh, you know, he ends up getting a job with Soviet Russian labs as a janitor. And he comes across Scooby that way. And then they both uh, escape back to the States. Huh, I like that. I like that. Now one I will say, I will say, uh, of course, the newest Scooby Doo movie that you can see on HBO Max. It's an animated. Did uh, you see animated it? Animated movie. Yes, I watched it. Is it good? That's why. That's why I'm able to tell you this. Uh, I thought it was fairly good. It's not the best, but it's very entertaining for what it is. I know the idea um, is it's supposed to be opening up to building a Hanna Barbera world, and it does do that. Honestly, oh, it really nice. does do that. Yeah. Um, so at the very beginning, I'm not giving anything away here. This is in the trailer, but uh, I'll explain a little bit more. Uh, they never ever like the meeting. It's kind of the meeting between Shaggy and Scooby is how this starts. Oh, okay. And they're both really young. Like like Scooby's a puppy and he's causing trouble. He's trying to steal food. And Shaggy is a loner. He wants friends, but he doesn't have any friends. And he's just like a poor little kid. And so he's going out to the beach to have a picnic by himself. And then Scooby's running away from somebody who's trying to chase him because he stole some food. 
and that's how they meet, right? The whole, but the entire time though, it's already accepted and never explained why Scooby can talk, hmm. <laughs> and. And Shaggy never really truly questions it. He just goes right along with it. Well, if he's used to animals yeah. talking to him after a little puff magic dragon. But like he was like, he's like seven. No, he's like 10 or 11 in this. Oh, he's experimenting early, dude. I guess so. <laughs> All right. So scale one to 10. How believable do you find this? That Scooby-Doo the was real. a Soviet space dog. Nah, I'm going with a three on this one. All right. Not very believable. Nah, gotcha, not gotcha. very all right, well, let me, but still somewhat one. like you can see how you could make that narrative work, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so we'll, let's go with this next one. Uh, this one, I've, to me, I feel this one is uh, Ooh, very think, high for me. Sorry, real quick. Think about this, though. If it was a, a Russian cosmonaut, that would also explain his intense, uh, overwhelming fear now, right? So he's always afraid yeah. of things. Maybe that rocket trip did something to him, scared him. Yeah, but he doesn't really have a like a Soviet, you know, accent to me. <laughs> what kind of accent does he have? <laughs> like a Venice like, Beach dog, you know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all, right, uh, all right. Here's the next one. All right. The show Scooby-Doo takes place during an economic depression. Ooh, okay. All right. Now, you kind of oh, alluded heard to this, this one or- before. Yeah. You kind of alluded to this before. Uh, the episodes actually usually take place where now empty or grimy or rundown mines, theme mm-hmm. parks, uh, mansions, those type of places, right? They're almost always empty or uh, people have been run off. Uh, the point is they're mostly abandoned. Um, and if you notice the towns that uh, the Scooby-Doo and gang end up visiting, they're, these towns are not doing well. There's never really that much money. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, uh, like, you know, Uncle Joe or whoever it is that the kids catch at the end. That's why he's trying to to scare people off so he can have this place and make money off of it. Because Hmm. there's no money. There's no money available to anybody. And, uh, of course, Shaggy and Scooby rarely ever seem to have money. They probably spend it all in sandwich supplies, would be my guess. Hmm. Uh, And other things. So... There's all all these things tend to make people think that this show takes place during a giant depression of the economy. Chris, Skell, one to ten. I'm going to go I'm even lower. This. I'm looking at maybe one or two on this one. Oh, really? I thought unless this would be the it's best a fictional one. depression, um, you're talking about the van they're driving in. Yes, uh, they're they're able to afford gas to go all around the country and all around these depressed towns, uh, and then finally. Uh, please see my last comment. Um, the fridges always seem to be full of food for Shaggy and and Scooby to get into. Which during the depression, it's just bread and soup. That's true. And you're talking about like roast beef sandwiches, uh, big ham hocks. Uh, you know what I mean? Cakes, puddings, and like I said, we we joked about it, but they did. They created these monster stacks of sandwiches that they swallowed in one gulp. You know. That's right. They yes. So this one they don't, they don't enjoy them. Yeah, this they one is a little them. bit more. That was that one. I'm going to go with a one, and because every single town in America has that rundown house in the neighborhood or in the town somewhere, uh, or the rundown warehouse, the rundown theme park. It's all they litter our countries. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I that's yeah. why I, I this one. 
I can see what they were trying to do with it, but it, this one seems way far out. At least with the cosmonaut thing, that's kind of fun, and you could you could work with that, right? Scooby Doo yeah. initially took place in the '60s, so that could actually work out. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you that one, and I'll raise you this one. All right. <laughs> so let's go through the characters in Scooby Doo, the main characters, right? Yeah. Uh, how would you describe Fred? Uh, rich with the ascot and everything. That was like the rich thing. <laughs> Hmm, but also, doing? but I'd also say he's kind of the leader, right? The de facto leader. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's Easily. the one who you know, and he's the one that seems to be in charge. He seems like he knows how to. He's the natural uh, born leader that everyone yeah. looks to. He doesn't have to say he's the leader, right? Exactly, and he and he knows how to talk to people. This kind of things, right? All right. So, what about um, Velma? Velma was always the smart kind of nerdy one, very inquisitive. Like she was the one who would get a lot of the background facts. So whenever they went somewhere, she was the one looking for the the history behind something or. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the smartest one, right? Yeah. Let's, let's go with, okay. Daphne. I've always wondered what Daphne was doing with them, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because like what was her thing right aside from yeah. you know being attracted to fred and following fred around uh right, that's she key, didn't right? really do much of the research you know unless she was just one of these people who's who had a true kind of interest in the paranormal and wanted to see right. if we could figure out these things or detective work you know but other yeah. than that she seemed kind of off put she looked like she'd be doing well at like because this is the 60s right so you're thinking yeah. like those little 60s go-go clubs where they're dancing <laughs> yes. and doing like yeah. the the watusi you know what i mean like right that's right. what i'm seeing right there yeah okay remember what you said though uh like she's into fred just remember that <laughs> right and shaggy and scooby obviously the stoner and his best friend right okay but they're right, totally so this, into this stuff also. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're into it in terms of like they love it, but they love to be scared and they just do end up being scared. Exactly. Now, the theory is that the leader, Fred, is not a leader of a regular gang going around solving oh, mysteries. Snap. He's actually a, cult. a leader of a cult. <gasps> and those other members are just a part of his cult and they follow him and they pretty much kind of go along with whatever he says, if you notice. His uh, his words rarely <laughs> ever are questioned. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you're you even wondered what you know an attractive lady's doing there, and obviously <laughs> she's into Fred. Uh, Fred's a natural born leader. He's not afraid to wear an ascot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, so he's. I have so a feeling kinda... he grows up to be like the Howells when they're older. If if you're yes. uh, if you're an yes. older older listener, you'll understand the Gilligan's Island reference. But uh, yeah, I could see him with the yeah, lovey. Yes, I'm Randy. Um, spot the tea. I like how I think tea makes you rich. Yeah, that's my first thing I went to. So uh, the cult. Do you think that Scooby Doo and gang are in a cult that Fred's the head of? Chris, scale of one to ten, how believable is this? I like that. I like that a lot. I just my question is is what's with the interest in helping towns and you know in and uncovering criminals. But I do like the idea that maybe it started that way, right? They were a That's what I'm saying. Yes. And then and then like they had this knack for this and then Fred just decided, you know, we could probably make money this way and yep. get towns to pay us for un- uncovering these kinds of things. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm putting this right up there at a 7. Yes. See, I'm with you on this one. Uh, most cults, if you a lot of cults, if you study them, I'll start out with uh, with the best intentions. So wanting to help uh, the community, usually. Yep. 
All right, so uh, here's the next one. This is kind of a smaller level one, but and I that's how you get. Fun. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt, but that's how you get people to buy in and join your call too. So maybe that was his intention is yeah. going town to town to get everybody to be like, oh, this guy is great, and then maybe collect more people because they do end up getting uh, scrappy do later on. Oh, uh, we're gonna talk about scrappy, and then and if <laughs> and, and throughout the different series, they really get like those guest stars to come in and help them, yeah. right? Like the, Batman the and Harlem, Robin, yeah. Batman and Robin, the Harlem Globetrotters, Three they get Stooges. All yeah, they get all kinds of help. All right, so here's a smaller scale conspiracy. So here. it's like Scientology. They get the celebrities. Yes. That's their... <laughs> Sorry. Okay, next one. <laughs> I like it. All right, this is going up to a nine then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. That goes to a nine now. You get freaking Batman and Robin. I'm sorry. That's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. All right. So <laughs> Fred, okay, so you know Fred always drives the van, right? The mystery van. Yeah. It's always Fred driving. I think very rarely do you see Shaggy driving right. every once in a while. Um, <laughs> Just the men. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure the women have too, but those are the two that I remember in my head. Yeah. But it's almost always Fred. Like mm-hmm. it's, I would say over 90% of the time, Fred's the one driving. Um, the reason for this is that even though Fred does not own the van, you know who owns the van? Oh, who's that? Shaggy Sha- actually yeah. owns the van. Because it's a stoner <laughs> van. However, yeah, exactly. However, he's always too high yep. to drive. So for <laughs> yeah. safety reasons, that's why Fred is always driving the mystery machine. Chris, scale, one to ten. How believable is this conspiracy? This one's a nine as well. <laughs> um, because I could see maybe maybe Velma never got her license. You know, she was too busy right. with, with book work and school and all that stuff. She never really wanted to be that person that got her car and went with, out with friends. And Daphne has, uh, she ended up killing someone the first time she, she was driving and they revoked her license immediately. I like your dark t- takes on these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dark, man, you belong right in Reddit on some of this stuff. There you go. Right, here we go. I That's amazing. I like that. That's a nine. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Here's my last one. All right. What are... Uh, Scooby and Shaggy's favorite things to eat sandwiches. Okay, second favorite. It's these it's these treats that they're given. Oh, they're Scooby directed. snacks. Yeah, there you go. Scooby <laughs> snacks. All right, Scooby, Scooby edibles. Scooby snacks mess and alter your genes. Oh, not your not your blue jeans. Your G E N E S. Yeah. All right. So the Scooby snack. This is the theory that the Scooby snack itself. Is a steroid that alters the genetic code of whoever is eating said Scooby snack. Hmm. The reason they think this is that would explain why Scooby A can talk and can do all kinds of amazing feats a dog shouldn't be able to do. Like, if you ever watch Scooby Doo, he does all kinds of quote unquote stunts, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's why he's able to do those. And it's why when you meet his uh, nephew, Scrappy, uh, or you meet his, who's the other one? Was it like his cousin or something? You meet oh, a couple of the yeah, dogs yeah, in, his, yeah. in his lineage. They all can talk. Huh. And on top of that, Scrappy always is kind of aggro and wants to fight, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know what kind, You know what a lot of people say does that? Uh, steroids. <laughs> He's getting road ra- roid yeah. rage. But what about Shaggy, right? He eats these two on top of these and he's human. What would... Uh, well, how about this? Um, Shaggy has a ridiculously high metabolism rate. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, this boy could put down some sandwiches and then be hungry just five minutes later, right? <laughs> yep. 
So that would explain it because these Scooby Snacks just mix his metabol- uh, metabolism. It's like his superpower now. <laughs> Chris, on a scale of one to ten, oh, wow. what is your believe? Uh, how much do you believe these? I'm going to put that at five. Okay, right in the middle. It's fun. It's fun, but I I wouldn't subscribe to it if they really tried to give me that as as the the truth. I'd be like, ah, oh, come on. Like the ones yeah. you told we I I gave a nine. I could be like, if they it came out that way, I'd be like. I could see that, right? This right, one's a little so, bit like, yeah. All right. To end my part of this, I'm going to tell you the two that you gave a nine, and then I want you to pick the one that you're going to go with, uh, that you're going to uh, put your sword into this hill and stand by this conspiracy Ooh, theory. I, okay. All right. all right. One, of course, is that Fred's the leader of the cult, and the rest of the gang is his cult. Yep. That's it. That's all I need to know. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. No, no, the other one's what? The Shaggy's too high to drive, right? Yeah. 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 No, the cult one. I'm going with the cult. Yeah, that one's way, way more than when I was one. And it <laughs> so, works, too. You can make yeah. it work. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite one. All right, so that's just some. There were actually uh, tons more uh, <laughs> just conspiracy theories with Scooby-Doo. Well, that's fun, dude. I, I'm glad we opened with that. It's a fun one because uh, the next one is 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 a slightly darker. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. odd and definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Strange? Odd. Um, <laughs> oh. So I saw this. I came across. I don't remember where I saw this. I think maybe it was a a blurb or something. Oh, no. Maybe I was scrolling through Facebook, and you know how sometimes people, you know, they share certain um, news articles. and things. I mean, it, it must have come up that way. So I found this article on Business Insider, and I started reading it. And as I kept reading it, I kept thinking, and this was from uh, December 10th, 2019. I was just like, this is really bizarre. This sounds like something but then it, like there's like i said when you hear this one spot you're gonna be like this is what piqued his interest um but then the more i read about it the more i was just like this is still very kind of odd but also it's important to talk about because it does there are parts of this that deal with mental health so here we go i'm gonna read for most of the the article because you know like i said before when i come across these things that are really re- written well what's the point in just kind of trying to rehash it yourself you know it's i'm just gonna give you know the credit to the person that wrote it. It was on businessinsider.com, written by Malia Russell, December 10th, 2019. Look this up for yourself if you, if you become a little bit more interested in it. I also found another article afterwards that had kind of a follow-up to the story. So this is uh, Business Insider's uh, article. A 33-year-old Utah startup founder went to Silicon Valley on business and was found dead in her car a week later. Aaron Valenti's family searches for answers following her mysterious death. So the reason I wanted to read it is because it's written well. Like this, this, uh, this journalist really wrote this really well to kind of get you engaged in the story, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> On the night of her wedding anniversary, Agnes Valenti pushed roasted cauliflower around her plate at the restaurant while her husband talked on the phone. Their daughter, Erin Valenti, was calling from 2,900 miles away in Palo Alto, California, where she had just left a friend and couldn't find her rental car. All right, I'm going to stop you real quick. Yeah. All right, so the first sentence, I always love these stories because yeah. when it's something that really happened, uh, the author almost always takes like a little bit of a liberty with it, a license with it. To make it more like, <laughs> almost like you're reading a book. Yeah, to make, yes. Like they're trying to make a really good grade on a paper. Right, so the whole thing about rolling the call it the cauliflower, yeah, right, with her the mom sitting there at her yeah. at her wedding anniversary dinner, her husband's yeah. on the phone. She's just kind of pushing her roasted cauliflower around. Yeah, 
unneeded information that you don't even know is true. I know it's definitely, it's definitely setting the setting, but I also wonder like when she was talking, like they were interviewing the parents, was she like, so what were you doing? Well, I was just kind of, you know, pushing a roasted cauliflower around my plate at the restaurant while my husband talked on the phone. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely know where you're coming from, but I do like these because it gets you engaged. Like these are the ones that may, it feels like, um, feels like I'm reading a documentary. You know how we've been really getting hardcore into them lately. Right. Definitely. So let's see. Um, so it says she called from 2,900 miles away where she had left a friend and couldn't find her rental car. So then it jumps to this. It says the couple called her back after dinner. I'm not sure if they just, it was just kind of like uh, she checked in with them and was like, you know what? I can't find my car. Let me call you back. Right. Right. So uh, they called her back after dinner. The 33-year-old entrepreneur from Salt Lake City who was traveling on business had finally located the gray Nissan Murano and began the short drive to San Jose International Airport. She talked fast and erratically, and she wasn't making much sense. She would say to me, I'm coming home for Thanksgiving, her mother said. A bit later, she says, quote, it's all a game. It's a thought experiment. We're in the matrix. And then she says, I'm going to miss my flight. On October 7th, a Delta flight for Salt Lake City left without her on board. Her husband, Harrison Weinstein, and her mother took turns talking to her on the phone until almost midnight local time. Five days later, she was found dead in the backseat of her rental car on a residential street in San Jose. According to the family, there was no clear signs of physical harm. The mystery of how a tech founder went missing and died in Silicon Valley has left a family, her friends, and a group of entrepreneurs in Utah's rising tech hub searching for answers. To some, the easy explanation would be suicide, that her story was among the many stories of founders' quiet battle with depressions uh, exacerbated by the stress of starting a company and trying to change the world. Her peers know all too well that mental health is especially a problem in Utah, where suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 15 to 34. But her family does not believe she killed herself. That just wasn't Valenti, whose nickname was Armageddon Aaron because of her boisterous energy and proclivity for being places where natural disasters hit. The family tries not to speculate on what happened. So here's the thing. So she, a little background on her. She went to California to be inspired. She was a chief executive of Tinker Ventures, a web development shop that had one founder in Salt Lake City and the other in Pakistan. The the startup builds applications for other companies using a remote workforce for engineers. So basically what I got from a lot of this article was this. She was a very kind of brilliant person. She initially got a job um, with Overstock.com, worked for them for about seven months, but was kind of annoyed by like office politics. And she decided she wanted to start her own company. She was always one of these people that was constantly looking into what kind of tech companies can they start to better the world, make, you know, technology better, more efficient, uh, connect the world more. So she was always doing this. She was constantly, you know, coming up with ideas for new companies and things like that. She came up with this idea uh, for the Tinker Ventures company with this other guy that she had met working um, on a previous project. He lived in Pakistan. So they decided to, to create this company and it actually took off. It did very well for itself. But part of her job was to constantly find new people to kind of in like to to you know, get accounts with. So basically, you know, it's a company that's building apps. So aside from a project, right? So you're a company, Johnny, and you want to create specific apps that your company can use and maybe for the public to use and interaction. You hire this other company to do it for this, her company to do it. Once it's done, aside from, unless you really want a lot of upkeep, you know, that's it. That's the contract. Because what would typically happen is, 
that allowed these companies to uh, pull in more revenue and and become more successful where they could afford their own in-house engineers to do the upkeep and they wouldn't have to pay this outside company to do this. Get it? Right. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of her, her work involved going to these kind of uh, professional development workshops and these kind of, you know, where she would travel and go to these conventions and meet with like-minded people and, and network and things like that. Um, and so that's why she was out there. She was out there to do that. She had this kind of her, her mentality was like she always had a refusal to fail. She was she was starting to feel like the Tinker Venture wasn't where she wanted to be. Um, only because she was by herself. She was the only employee in the U.S. Everybody else was in Pakistan. So she was when she worked, she worked by herself. Um, she didn't really have many, you know, workmates in in the Utah area. What I read was that she would go and she would literally be a very active person in setting up events in the Utah area, uh, at coffee shops, at bars, at get-togethers. She would, you know, advertise that this was for these for people who were into this, entrepreneurs, tech startup people, that kind of thing, to go out and network. She would create this. Um, it, it became this kind of thing that there was n- there was no possible way that anyone in the tech area in Utah didn't know her. Like she was very very well known in that because of of, of this kind of thing, right? Um, let's see. Uh, so she decided she wanted to change. Though she was feeling like maybe she needed something different, something where she had more interaction with people. And again, she had one of the, she was one of these people who had like. 20 different ideas going on at once. So she decided to start hitting up these different conventions and these, these, these get togethers. Um, and so she went to one of these workshops in Silicon Valley. Um, it says she was there, you know, she arrived, uh, um, on that summer, on that summer, October, she arrived on October day, warmed by the Santa Ana winds. I love the way this person writes. <laughs> So Create Powerful is a workshop designed for leaders to reflect and move past their perceived limits. So that now think about this. Create Powerful is a workshop designed for leaders to reflect and move past their perceived limits. The first piece is reflect, right? It's a lot of thinking and and working out like, you know, problem solving and what you think your limits are. Sounds like sounds like a thing for a cult. <laughs> so it says it says here that uh, they used organizer onto core to provide coaching for his startup senior leadership, and they likened this create powerful workshop. They likened it to a Tony Robbins seminar for business owners. Oh, okay. So, it, so for three days, she was involved in a mix of lectures, partner work, and time alone spent journaling. Um, and she knew, you know, she knew a lot of people there from having worked in the tech field for so many years and with Overstock and a lot of different companies. So they, in this article, they talk, they talk to a lot of friends and peers that they had worked with her out there, right? So she was working on all this. Uh, on, the, on the morning of Thursday, October 3rd, she flew into the Bay Area for a second tech gathering that week, a two-day conference in Monterey for founders and tech investors to network and learn. The weekend passed in a series of small reunions, dinners, and brunches with former colleagues. According to her father, she was also did some shopping. Her credit card state here's the weird thing. Her credit card statement shows she spent several hundred dollars on vinyl records, though she didn't own a turntable. Huh. On Sunday, she so this is what it makes me think. Well, I'll get back. I'll get into my thoughts at the end of this. On Sunday, she had dinner in Palo Alto with JJ Cardwell, who was a principal uh, who was a principal at Summit Partners, where he was Valenti's first boss. He recalled her excitement over the workshops and how it helped her recon- uh, reconcile her work troubles. She, quote, she cared deeply about Tinker, and it mattered a lot of, to her identity. She was very committed to the continued path there, but she realized she could do both. She had elevated enough as an executive and an entrepreneur to realize that she didn't have to be one thing. Only normal humans do one thing. 
So Valenti is believed to have been last seen by the former manager of hers at Summit Partners, Dean Jacobson, on Monday afternoon. He recalls her being vibrant and uniquely talented in an email, though he did not want to be interviewed for this story. That raises a question. He was the last one to see her. Remember uh, when she's yeah. talking or her whatever? So after the fact, right now you're talking Monday, October 7th, when she should have been home the night before. Um, Whitney Valente sat in her living room with her son, Chris, in Rochester, New York, as they talked on speakerphone with Aaron. Oh, no, this is Monday. Uh, this is of that same day. She sounded manic and confused. She told them about plans for Thanksgiving, and she told them that it was all a game. Then she asked them, quote, are you in on it? Uh, Whitney, a retired nurse, asked if she had been drinking or been given drugs. Uh, Aaron answered no. Oh, I said Whitney. I'm, I'm sorry, Whitey. Whitey's the nickname of her mom. Uh, she answered no, she wasn't. So she got off the phone. An officer with the San Jose, uh, San Jose Police Department called her. So the husband called and asked the San Jose police to call her for a welfare check. When they called, she said she was fine. She said she was just joking around. Police later told the family that because Valenti was an adult, her case would be treated as a voluntary missing person. She could, she could have just taken off for a couple days without telling anybody. But immediately they started you know, trying to find her. It didn't make any sense. They hired a private investigator. People who didn't know her were posting pictures on Facebook after they couldn't find her. Uh, one friend enlisted the help of a drone hobbyist who offered to fly over areas that her phone had last pinged cell phone towers. On Saturday, five days after Valenti went missing, a friend in the search party found her rental car on a quiet residential street minutes from the airport. Her cause of death, as of this article, was still unknown. So that's that's how that ended at that point. Now, fast forward to February of this year. Uh, the title of the article is A Cause of Death for Tech Founder Aaron Valenti Has Been Identified. An autopsy has provided new details on what killed a young female tech founder. Blah, blah, blah. You already know all this stuff. You know about her being confused and found dead. The autopsy, which Business Insider has reviewed, ruled her manner of death natural and said the cause was, quote, sudden death in the setting of an acute manic episode, end quote, though it did not explain what killed the 33-year-old tech founder. So they're saying she died during a manic episode, but they don't know what it was that made her die. That's that's weird I mean, that's weird. Like, if I saw that on anybody's, you know, cause of death, like, it's not really a cause of death. It doesn't really tell you anything. Right. Sally Aiken, a medical examiner and vice president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, said sudden death has a medical definition. She described it as an unexpected death that happens within an hour of onset and has a natural cause. Valenti had a previous diagnosis for a thyroid condition. Uh, the autopsy report noted that her condition could have contributed to her death. However, blood samples were not satisfactory for the analysis. Uh, the op autopsy report did, however, give details around a mental state. The police review of Valenti's electronic communications in the days before she scheduled return confirmed the family's account that she showed symptoms of a manic episode. Authorities also said a review of her medical records suggests that the etiology of her final manic episode was related to an emerging previously undiagnosed psychiatric disorder. The family told Business Insider last year she had no diagnosis of a mental health disorder. A manic episode is not a disorder on its own, though. It is a principal system of bipolar disorder, said Dr. Po Wang, a psychiatrist who runs a clinic for the study and treatment of individuals with bipolar at Stanford University. 
One risk of having a manic episode, an event that's characterized by feelings of euphoria, uh, racing thoughts and feelings of connectedness is that it's typically followed by a period of depression or irritability. The contrast from the high to low feels more dramatic to the person suffering from the disorder. Uh, His research and other studies suggest that suicide attempts are common. However, suicide is not the leading cause of death in people with the diagnosis. There's mounting evidence that suggests that people with bipolar disorder have higher rates of death from natural causes like heart disease or a stroke at an earlier age. A review of studies involving more than 331,000 patients found that having bipolar disorder is similar to being a smoker in terms of increasing a person's risk of early death. Um, there's a number of variables that could respond, uh, be responsible for the higher rate of mortality, but it's, it's still the, for them, the family feels like this doesn't make any sense. And sure, this could have happened even in her thirties, there could have been this kind of emergence of this undiagnosed thing that you, and that's what they say. A lot of times, you know, um, when people who may have this underlying thing, it can be triggered based on the amount of pressure that they're feeling um, or all different kinds of factors. So here's my thinking on this whole thing. I'm not sure. Well, I obviously when I read the rest of it, I was like, yes, this has to be that she dealt with this thing. But what is it? What could it have been that that triggered it? Was it the pressure of, of, you know, maybe feeling like her position at that tinker, you know, that company, she wanted to move on because she just, it was too much pressure to continue to keep, you know, uh, getting new clients. Um, was it the pressure of, or the fact that she had all of these different kinds of ideas or were all those ideas a part of that manic, you know, episode? Um, and then there's that one, right? They, she went to this place that talked about self-reflection and a lot of moving past your limits, and then she's talking to her parents about this being the matrix and it's all a simulation, right? Yeah. So it makes me wonder what kind of conversations she was, she was having there, what kinds of things she was learning, because this is obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming when you heard me say that part, you knew that was, that was what piqued my interest. Right. When she's talking in this kind of disheveled way to her parents and then all of a sudden it's this, we're all in a matrix. This is a, a, you know, this is a simulation. And then the weird part where she's like, do you guys know about it? You know, are you a part of it? Uh, Really strange. But that always has been a conspiracy theory, Uh, not even a conspiracy theory, but one of those theories that really fascinates me is the fact that this could be that we could be consciousness that is experiencing a simulation. Yeah, I'm only the only t- I mean to just to play the other side of that though. If this is a simulation, uh I wish whoever's doing it for me would do a better job. <laughs> right. Right. But here's the and, and in my mind, yeah, I, I I couldn't even tell you, right? But I think you need you need all you need all 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 kinds, right? It takes all kinds of folks to move the world. So you have to have somebody your consciousness has to be uh unfortunately it has to be where you are no but seriously my mentality has i've always thought of how fascinating that is and yeah. you know what does that mean does that mean that because i always i always liked that idea that you know our consciousness comes from a reality where you know something's happening and we're trying to figure out the answer to it before it happens how are we going to avoid this thing and we were smart enough to have these kinds of simulations and it became this thing where our consciousness was is constantly put into it in different versions. Like maybe we're scientists that are experiencing this and we're going to come out of it with like, okay, this is what I experienced. Uh, and it, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say there, but here's you ready for this. Cause this is kind of our theme. Here's the conspiracy theory. 
Okay. Conspiracy theory is that she got too close. She got the truth in these, at these things. She came across people where she, you know, maybe they were having too many drinks one night and somebody slipped and told her something they weren't supposed to. And it was one of these things where they had to kind of get rid of her so that she wasn't exposing the truth because that's a legit thing. There's people out there who think that's what happened to not just in real, like it's out there, but they think this is what happened to Aaron Valenti because it's just, it's, it's an extremely out of the normal, bizarre kind of break. And again, that's not to dis, you know, not to say anything about mental health or behavioral health or any of that thing, that stuff, because this is possible. You know, you and I, during this conversation, one of us could have a mental break at any moment. You don't have any control over that. But, but when all of these other kind of factors play in, when she starts making these comments, and especially she works in the world of tech, she works in the world of nanotechnology, you know, it's when you start to go into the world of tech, you start talking about, you know, nanotechnology, quantum physics, like all of this kinds of stuff. She, she has that kind of understanding on that kind of higher level thinking, um, you know, the idea is, is that maybe there was a little mud. And this is, again, this is the conspiracy theory. This isn't obviously any part of the story, but I found that fascinating as well. Because again, to me, I've always been very fascinated by this idea that we're living in a simulation. And it's fascinating to see how there's people who really think that there's kind of like this dark, uh, you know, world order, this conspiracy of, of, you know, continuing the simulation and not messing with it. We're not supposed to know. It's like the matrix. We're not supposed to know about it. Yeah, and obviously, also, we still don't know everything about the brain, right? about the human brain. Yeah. Uh, we're still very much in the dark on a lot of stuff when it comes to that. Um, and mental illness is a, you know, a something we, I don't think we still really truly understand. Right. And it's got, it's still, I think we're doing better now than we have before, but it still has a stigma about it. Um, But it's just, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's a strange one. I think if. If it was a, if I was a family member, I wouldn't want, wouldn't. First of all, I wouldn't even consider that an explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, your first thing has to go with mental health, right? Yeah. It has to be something that was undiagnosed. It's well, just, they can tell they can tell if somebody's had a, a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah, and that's not yeah. that didn't come out in these tests, right? So that's what I'm saying. They didn't. There's nothing for them to say. There was nothing found in her system. No drugs. No. Yeah. No. No. Not even anything. You know. Not in, in in terms of anything that had to do with her thyroid. Um. It. And aside from, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do any kinds of autopsy on on the brain or if that's part of what this whole thing was. Um. It makes me. It just. It makes me wonder. You know. It. It doesn't even make me wonder. It's a sad story, but it's also. It's that bizarre kind of. The, the symptoms that surrounded it, that idea that she could have that, just that quick snap. It's scary too, right? Think about that. We have zero control at any time. Your yeah. mind just decides to do something different and send a different, you know, electro current, a certain pathway or, or release a certain type of chemicals that it doesn't normally. And you're, that's it. You have zero control over that. Your consciousness can't do a thing to stop that. Yeah, that's why to me that's why stuff like Alzheimer's or dementia is very very scary to me and that runs in my family sadly so Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Um so that's a scary thing. Uh but yeah, that's a very strange, odd, dare I say, story there. Yeah. Yeah, the so the so you know the, the the things surrounding it were very odd. The opposite, the actually, yeah. you know, I'm glad that is. I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm glad. I'm I'm hoping that if, if it was a mental health thing, that there's something that we can learn from it. 
yeah. uh, to kind of better our understanding for how the brain works. And and when something like this happens, maybe, maybe there were signs that they didn't notice before, you know, maybe there were certain things she was saying when she was home around her husband and family that they just didn't pick up on because they weren't looking for that. For them, right. this is typical Aaron constantly coming up with these ideas. Of course, she has racing thoughts. She's one of those people. Yeah, we do tend to get used to how somebody is if we're around them a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, and we may not pick up on stuff yeah. because we're just kind of used to however they are, or how they act. Yeah. So that does make sense to me too. Yeah. But I thought it was uh, initially when I found that article, it was one of these where I was like, man, this is really odd. And they never found it out. And then I found the follow up to it. I was like, oh, well, they did find out, but it still is odd in terms of that they don't know what it was, like how she died. Yeah. Did she just stop breathing? Did she have a, you know, an embolic? Like, what was it that lit or do you just stop? Does your heart just stop and everything just kind of stops? Like, there's nothing to it. It just stops. It's almost as like they were saying the madness killed her, right? Mm -hmm. And that's. That you know, that's that makes that would upset me greatly, especially if I was related to her. Because think answers. you think about that. If your brain is powerful enough to do certain things, maybe it does. It's powerful enough to stop. Maybe in her mind, everything was ending, and her only way to get out of it was to stop. And her brain literally could do it. Her just stopped yeah. her whole system. I, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, we don't know near as much about the brain as we should uh, by this time. So who knows? Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the story of Aaron Valenti. It's sad, uh, strange surroundings, uh, strange things surrounding the death, but it, it still is a sad thing. But again, it's also kind of a wake up call that we, we still don't understand mental health and, and to, to not stigmatize it, to normalize talking about issues and right. what, what comes up in your mind. Right. And I think, and I think as a society, we're getting better about that. I mean, there's still that stigma there, but yeah, I do feel that overall we're, we're, we're getting better with that. I mean, even. And even like pro athletes are talking about it now. So yep. Yep. Uh, that's, that's going to go somewhere hopefully. And we'll get more and more, you know, it'd be more and more of an accepted thing to talk about. Uh, so uh, everybody's got issues, man. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody needs to talk to somebody. So yeah, don't be afraid listeners. If there's ever a time you want to you know, you reach out and talk to somebody, there's all kinds of, of, of things out there for you. They have apps now. They have things you can text. You can do things by phone, through Zoom. It's all out there for you. So definitely look into it if you feel like you need to talk to somebody. Yeah, I need to get an app for my new company, Chris. Yeah. Um, so I've I've started this company. And, uh, you know, right now in America, it's becoming, in more and more states, it's becoming more and more legal for marijuana, right? That's more okay. of a legal thing. All right. So, and you know that I'm already an artist. So I was trying to think, <laughs> how could I make money with these two different things? So I decided I'm going to start a company where I make like geometric shapes and, and pieces of art yep. into shapes out of marijuana. And I'm going to call my company, <laughs> um, I'm going to call my company Two Hemp to be square. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, dude. It's like, <laughs> Oh, so go to too hip to be square uh, on Instagram. That might be a real Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> if it's not, watch somebody's going to snatch that up fast. That's a great idea, actually. I mean, oh, that joke that funny. joke came to me as I was talking about marijuana and and, and the Shaggy being high. That's oh amazing. man, that's why I got really quiet when you're telling your story. I was trying to write out that joke. <laughs> Oh, that's great, dude. That is great. Well, Creepers, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, man. Um, keep it, keep an ear out. Uh, right after this episode drops, go back and check your stream. You're going to see th this is part of a double drop weekend. 
Uh, this epi- yeah, this episode's dropping, and then we also have a crossover event. So I will. I had Johnny and I had the the uh, the privilege, the the honor of being asked to join another podcast on the network. Uh, the name of the show is called Crafting and Drafting. Uh, oh now, yes. Now it's not about arts and crafts, and it's not about draft tables and architecture. It's about craft beers. Uh, these guys they usually drink a craft beer and they rate it and discuss it, and then they also do kind of a fun draft. If you've never done a draft like fantasy football draft. Think that, right? Uh, but what they do along the they do st- stuff like drafting their favorite rappers, drafting a team of you know eighties, uh, the best eighties cartoons, uh, things like that. The one that Johnny and I were were lucky to be a part of, and and you'll hear it. It's called uh, it was our our draft of serial killers. So and, and cult leaders and cult leaders was it four or five? I can't remember how many we drafted, but we each. I want to say them. four. Yeah. yeah, we each draft them. We talk about why we drafted them, why we thought that they were important to be on our team of some of the most important, uh, some of the most scariest, most prolific of serial killers and cult leaders. Um, it was a good time, but in in the crossover event, what we're doing is is Brian Finch, one of the co-hosts of that, is is sitting down with me to do a creepy side of the network. So we get to talk about what it is that creeps him out, you know, what he believes, what he's had experiences with. So that was a lot of fun conversation as well. So uh, you should see that popping up on your feed right after this one popped up. And if so, check it out, and then make sure to head over to Crafting and Drafting and listen to Johnny and I. Uh, school these guys on. Well, I was going to say school them on them, but let me tell you something. Brian Finch is yeah, like knows a, stuff when it, a walking yeah. encyclopedia of serial killers and cult yeah. leaders. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's something you want to be known for. I couldn't but... believe he knew so much, dude. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. You should, you should be doing more episodes of, the, of History Creeps with us. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely knows his stuff. We might have him on uh, an episode of uh, They Would Have Got Away With It. Yeah, it's a good idea. That's so, a good idea. Anyway, I'm done, dude. I'm I'm heading out of this creeper clubhouse. It's getting a little too overwhelmingly creepy here for me. And for some reason, uh, I, I have an urge to go buy an ascot. Well, while you're doing that, I just got this. Or I just had a brownie that somebody made me, and I'm just feeling really <laughs> happy right now. And I just want to make myself the the most huge, biggest sandwich I possibly can, and see if I can fit it all in my mouth at once. Uh, so I'm going to hit the lights on my way out. Uh, thank you for uh, being with us. And of course, as always, I invite you, the listener, to stay odd.